Brethren, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. When indeed met when men indeed swear by the greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is a final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he interposed with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible that God should prove false, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. Peace be to you, the reader. And to your spirit. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. To proclaim your in the morning and your truth by night. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. And with your the reading is from the Gospel. According to St. Mark, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. At that time a man came to Jesus kneeling and saying, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has he had this? And he said, From childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he would not have anyone know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you have ever been up close to a real ship anchor? Like out in Tillamook, there's a, right in the downtown, there's this huge ship anchor that my kids have climbed on. And in Gloucester, north of Boston, another big fishing town, there's a huge anchor. I'm sure Eric's been to lots of uh, large anchors. But when you're up close with it, you realize how incredibly massive and heavy it is. And at least for that one out in Tillamook, I thought, how did they carry this around? I mean, this was 150 years ago. How did they have wagons that carry these massive heavy anchors to get them to the ship? These heavy anchors have one purpose, of course, which is to hold fast. And the anchors, if you look at a bigger ship, it's got a bigger anchor. And even with all of our modern technology and all of the different ways we've advanced ships, we still have anchors. And they're big and heavy. And they're still tied to a huge cable. And they have the exact same purpose, which is to keep the ship anchored. To keep the ship from moving. And these anchors, of course, have saved many ships from being dashed into the rocks, from going into dangerous waters. And so the anchor, of course, is a very poignant symbol in our spiritual lives. So it's no accident that St. Peter, in his epistle today, he said, God's promise is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So we extend that analogy from St. Paul. We can see how in our lives, we need that anchor. We need that anchor desperately. And there are periods in our lives where everything around us seems storm-tossed. Everything around us seems perilous. Big cliffs, really shallow waters where we could run aground. And so we need that anchor. 
And that's what St. Paul is saying. We have a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. And that is God's promise to us of eternal life and of the kingdom. Furthermore, St. Paul says, God desired to show us more convincingly so that we might have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. So my message today is, take courage. See that strong encouragement which our Lord has given us, as he said in the epistle, with a promise and an oath, because he wanted to make it so clear to us that he has promised us the kingdom of heaven. So take courage. God's love will never subside or withdraw. God's love will never diminish. This is one of the biggest lies of our modern era, is the idea that God somehow, His love is limited, His love is fickle, it's changing. And this is why we hear that message in so many places around us, about a God who turns away from people, who's angry at people. And we hear this message, and we especially hear this message from who? From atheists, from agnostics. They say, I don't want that God. That God who is so partial. That God who is so fickle, mercurial, changing things around, doesn't make sense to me. So they reject that God. But that's not our God. Our God is the one who is unending in his love. As St. Peter says in his epistle to the Romans, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And God certainly won't separate us from his love. Our Lord Jesus Christ says that his Father makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. He takes care of every single person regardless of what their feelings are about God, regardless of whether they are in communion with God. He takes care of them. He sends his love upon them. And so God's love is not partial, it's not changing, but it is fixed. And again, this is the promise that Peter alludes to in his epistle. Our God is a God who loves his enemies, who blesses those who curse him, who does good to those who hate him. He told us to do the same. And what he said at the end of that is he said, so that you may be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. This is the perfection of God's love. His love is towards those who hate him, towards those who are curse him, and of course, to those who love him as well. This is our sure and steadfast anchor. Yet St. Paul also wrote this letter to the Hebrews for a particular reason. You see, he wrote it to the Jewish people who had become Christian, who had followed Christ, and in the midst of turmoils and persecutions and struggles, they were apostatizing. They were turning away from Christ and turning back to their Jewish faith before Christ. So St. Paul was writing a letter to them for one reason, to encourage them, to say, look what we have. Look what you're turning away from. So he wrote this letter to encourage them. And that's why he says about this sure encouragement, 
This encouragement which is the unending love of God and His promise of the kingdom. We feel at times the same way as those must have felt. We feel attacked from all sides. feel sometimes like there's no hope, like we'll never get through a period of time in our lives. And we feel this because God has given us a path to salvation, but that path is also difficult. We have real enemies. We feel those enemies on all sides. And this is why our Lord also said in another place, the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. Now think about that. St. Paul is writing, God has promised you the kingdom of heaven. Take this as your sure and steadfast anchor. And yet our Lord is also saying, the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. How do we understand these two? Are they opposites? It's because God has promised us the kingdom, and yet the journey there is difficult. Not because God is making it difficult, but because we have real enemies. We have real struggles. And those struggles, even St. Paul alludes to because he says that we should seize the hope. When we seize something, is that because it's easy to grab? And it's just right there in front of us? No, it's something that has this aspect of elusive. Like it's something that we have to chase after. We have to fight for. We have to take it by force. Because the spiritual life is indeed hard. And as we're here, trudging our way through the weeks of Lent, we feel the difficulty of the spiritual life. And that is very real. Because we are at war within ourselves. Sometimes it feels like we're at war against ourselves. And again, we have many words from St. Paul about that. About dying to ourselves. About killing the flesh. It's a real war. And it is taken by force. The retreat that Father Michael Chambord did last week was very helpful for us in this time of Lent because he was talking very much about the passions. You see, God gave us desires. He gave us desires as gifts. And the church talks about three particular categories of desires. There's the appetitive or appetitive desire, which is our desire for things like food. That's a good desire. We need to have the desire for food, otherwise we starve ourselves and die. Our desire also are intelligent powers, and these powers are so that we can ponder upon God, so that we can contemplate God and pray with Him. And then also our insensitive powers, and these are our powers that get us invigorated. We get angry about the sin that we commit. We get angry at the devil and his deceptions. And so we use this to turn towards God. These are all God-given things. But then they get turned. And then as they get turned away from God and away from our desire for the kingdom, we call them passions instead. So that passion of, or that, that power, appetite of power, that gives us our desire to eat food, what do we do with that? All kinds of things. All kinds of ways in which we use and abuse that as a passion. And our anger becomes this thing that is a wild beast that we unleash upon people and we alienate people with that. And so many, and then in our intelligent powers, we turn those into self-love, pride, glorifying ourselves. So in all of these, this is what Father Michael was talking about, and he was using extensively the church fathers to talk about it. But the point from that is 
that we are so enmeshed and entangled in these, the work is difficult. But we still have that message. Take courage. Because we have that sure and steadfast anchor within us. You all walked past the icon and venerated the icon in the narthex of the ladder of divine ascent. We all know this is that season where that icon comes out. We look at that icon and go, yikes, that's pretty treacherous. Well, St. John wrote that. He wrote the ladder of divine ascent in the 6th century. He was an abbot of Mount Sinai at the monastery of St. Catherine. And he wrote that to another abbot. Another abbot was begging him, saying, please give us some words to help the monks. And so he wrote this great spiritual treatise, which is called The Ladder of Divine Ascent. It talks about the 30 steps towards theosis. And we look at that ladder and we go, gosh, that's a long journey. But the good news again is that our purpose is not that we have to hit every single step to get to heaven. That's our goal. But that's the goal of theosis in this life. So we pursue that unwaveringly. But it's not that we take every single step and God won't let us into heaven unless we hit every step. Rather, it is our zeal, our forcefulness with which we pursue that one goal. This is what brings us closer to God and ultimately to the kingdom which He has promised for us. So when we look at that icon, think, I just need to be on the ladder. I need to keep on trying to climb the ladder. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. If you want more specific guidance, The Ladder of Divine Ascent is a profound book. We also have a wonderful book in our bookstore called 30 Steps to Heaven, which is a description of The Ladder of Divine Ascent, also quoting heavily from The Ladder, but applying it a little bit more to our contemporary world. Because we do have these passions, we need to know about them. We can't remain ignorant. We need to actually look into ourselves, have a little introspection, and read and see what are the things I'm struggling with right now. I may be in some sense on step 10 because I, this is something that I'm not struggling with, but then there's step 5 that I have never overcome and I may never overcome in my entire life. And how do we know these things unless we read about them? How do we know about them unless we actually learn and understand ourselves and look inside of ourselves to see what are my passions, what are my struggles? As we continue forward in Lent, don't forget that anchor because we will be storm-tossed if we don't have that anchor. We do have it, but we forget about it. God has already promised us the kingdom. Our goal is to keep our eyes focused on that kingdom, to keep pursuing God in every single step of our lives. And in that, may we be conquerors of passions, may we be imbued with the virtues by God's grace, and may we finish this race, fight the good fight, and take the kingdom of God by force. Amen.